0: Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner and his family, fellow athletes, and other people who make him the boxer and the man he is. They'll chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, Sports, music, culture, and family life, and much more. Listen to On The Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews, my co-host as always is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going?
1: Uh, Hey Blair, how's it going with you? Uh, This was a a tough, tough week. We were scrambling uh, right there down to the wire with uh, COVID-19 still running wild over the league and, uh, you know, last minute reshuffles being done uh thankful that football is still being played you know what about yourself
0: yeah like you said very tough still a lot of uncertainty i think um you know i've got (laughs) Diggs and aj brown in a couple lineups so hopefully that game still still will play but uh yeah uh busy busy week uncertain week and uh Really excited to get into all of the news today with our guests. Joining us on the show is Sam Wallace. Sam is a featured writer here at Rotoviz. He writes a ton of articles for the Blitz. He does the Buy Low Report. You can follow him on Twitter at swallace_ff. underscore Sam, thanks for joining us. How's it going?
2: Hey, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's, it's great to finally get a chance to talk to you both um, after working with you guys for the last several months here for the better part of I guess it's been like eight or nine months already since I uh, joined the website. Um, But yeah, to echo what Hassan said, just, you know, crazy, crazy week, kind of crazy last 24 hours here heading into uh, week five with everything going on. But like you said, I'll echo that same thought of grateful to still have football on, on TV and just trying to, you know, take it a day at a time. Like everybody else is doing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, It's tough. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of news coming out, you know, uh, more than most, since you're on top of all that for the blitz, uh, I want to talk a bit about the the column you do every week, the buy low report. What exactly is your thought process uh, behind you know the picks you make there, and uh, how do you how do you go about um, finding buy lows for that?
2: Yeah, um it's it's been a lot of fun to do kind of a recurring piece like that throughout the week where you can kind of build on uh, different thoughts and ideas. But, you know, buy lows are something I think most people try to, you know, hit on. We always like to buy players before we think they hit their peak value and, and sell them while we think they're, you know, at peak value before they start to decline. But it's fun to kind of look at it within the larger scope of the season. So really I just open up the uh, the strength of schedule app over on the website and just kind of start playing with different ranges of weeks from you know the next two weeks to the next four weeks next six weeks something like that and look for teams um and players and situations that i think are favorable or advantageous moving forward um what i'm really going to start focusing on now and i kind of hit on that on my last piece last week was working and navigating around own bye weeks and you know if you have the opportunity to maybe buy a player heading into their bye week and you have the space to stash them for a week you could almost do your league mate a favor in a way you know make the trade advantageous for both of you and maybe pick up a player a week before he's actually going to be inserted in your lineup after he struggled and then you have him for you know the, the last stretch of the season um and it's just trying to stay ahead of it as best as you can and we know things change you know week to week even day to day now but it's it's been fun to try to make some predictions this way and have things work out and some other other calls that maybe haven't worked out as well as i would have liked
0: yeah yeah uh always uh, always tricky to uh be recommending making these recommendations by lows you know players who are who are who become by lows almost necessarily it's because they haven't been performing as well as you might like so you know sometimes that that persists so that's always a tricky problem but uh Yeah, uh, definitely check out that piece. If you're at Rotoviz, you can subscribe and see uh, all of Sam's work there. Let's hop right into the first news item. Miles Sanders rushed 11 times for 80 yards and two touchdowns in the Eagles week five loss to the Steelers. So Sam, although Sanders final stat line looks pretty impressive, almost all his yards came on a 74 yard touchdown run. uh, What are your expectations for Sanders for the rest of the season?
2: Yeah, he was, you know, kind of in a tough spot heading into this week already with the matchup. So it was nice to see him break off that that long run. It's nice to know that that is definitely within his, you know, reasonable range of outcomes on any given week. Um frustrating that he wasn't able to get more going, but, you know, having two touchdowns, having that long run is obviously nice. I think the thing that I'm most excited for is um it's it's really his backfield. It is. Um I kind of did a piece on Sanders earlier in the offseason and kind of planted my flag and said I I think he's going to be the guy kind of breaking the trend of Doug Peterson, having a running back by committee, you know, Boston Scott played a pretty sizable role through the end of last season, but over the last three weeks, I mean, Scott hasn't seen any more than, you know, he had five carries, one carry, three carries. Um, I don't know. Sorry. Three carries, two carries and one carry the last three weeks. And Sanders has seen double digits in all four of his starts this year. So just knowing that that volume is going to be there. Um, I would still like to see him be a little bit more involved in the passing game, but he's had, um, quite a few targets the last couple of weeks would like to see him do a little bit more with those opportunities but i, I can't complain about the usage so the matchup was tough you know kind of got lucky with the long run but i'm excited for the volume
1: yeah i mean i'm, I'm with you if only because like uh, the volume for running back is like literally the only thing that matters i mean you if you're if you're listening to this and you think that you know oh, you, what you're talking about just please take a look at mike davis i mean maybe he's not as like um efficient as cmc but realistically like how different is this stat line from a cmc stat line right like 16 carries 89 yards like nine catches for 60 yards in a td right 10 targets like how is that any different than what like you know cmc would like realistically give you right like if maybe if if you're multiplying it all by two, that you probably have like rose tinted lenses when it comes down to CMC. I'm kind of with Sam, right? Like, like it doesn't like the volume is what is really really exciting. Um, his schedule I think softens up a little bit after this one. Um, the lack of usage in the receiving game that's a bit concerning, but you know, it's not nothing, nothing too severe. Um, man, speaking of this receiving game, it's really not great. Uh. <laughs> Artega Whiteside caught his one target for like a long 37-yard catch. Greg Ward is now their wide receiver one. Apparently, um, Ertz still sees a lot of usage. He's going nowhere. And something called Travis Fulgham caught 10 of his 13 targets for 152 yards and a score. Um, I This is going to be a surprise question, but what is this guy and who is he and where did he come from? <laughs>
0: Uh
2: that's no. a great question. Uh it for, yeah, I'm not sure. I kept seeing his name pop up, you know, all afternoon and really wasn't sure.
0: I'm so glad that you brought up the question, Hassan, because I was going to not even know how to pronounce his name. Uh, but I remember thinking he was kind of interesting last year. He's uh came out of Old Dominion four-year prospect. I think he was signed by the, by Detroit or no,
1: I think no, he was drafted in like yeah, the fifth or sixth dra- round by sixth Detroit. Yeah, Sixth round. Yeah.
0: Sixth round. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was someone who, you know, when in Detroit, it didn't look like they had a lot behind Galladay and Marvin Jones, uh, last year. So he was someone who I kind of was keeping an eye on to see if he could do anything. He ended up, uh, not doing anything (laughs) but uh yeah it's kind of interesting to see him really um really catch on in philadelphia i did not watch this game so i don't you know i don't know much beyond the stat line but um i think this is pretty intriguing i think Uh,
1: he's
0: definitely someone i'm i'm keeping an eye on
1: I mean, as you should, because like, there's no like, there's a lot of opportunity go around in the Eagles' receiving <laughs> core, But there's no one there to like, like, like take it, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I might just chalk this up to like, like one game variance, and and move on. But yeah, I, I guess if you really are thin and wide out, like maybe add him in deep dynasty leagues. Outside of that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how how excited I'd be to like snag him in like FFPC or something, you know?
0: I'm trying to pull up his box score scout. He had a 36% dominator rating his final season at Old Dominion. Thousand eighty-three yards. Um so I mean he's kind of old, right? Broke out at age twenty three. Four five eight forty. I mean, he's productive. He was productive at Old Dominion. An old, productive, kind of, you know, not very fast guy. Four or five. And eight, as we've seen sometimes,
2: terrible. that's that's all you need, <laughs> um especially yeah, exactly. with a lot of the injuries going around. You just need a guy who can throw ten targets to, or something like that, and just get him some yardage.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, something. You know, production is something that we've been saying. College production that we've been saying for a long time is undervalued uh, at almost every position, but especially for wide receivers. So I think. Yeah, that final season dominator rating, I think, makes him pretty interesting, and he's somebody that I would be trying to add to a lot of rosters, especially if I have space, you know, deep rosters. But there are so few of my rosters where I'm in need of a wide receiver, so I don't know, maybe not.
1: (laughs) Christian Kirk uh, caught 5 of 7 targets for 78 yards in Arizona's Week 5 win over the Jets. Uh, This was Kirk's best game of the season, and hopefully the Cardinals continue to use him you know, not only on downfield routes, but also in the intermediaries of the field. Um, Sam, do you think Kirk is now a must-start wide receiver going forward? Or what do you do? How are you playing uh, Christian Kirk here?
2: Yeah, I think depending on your team need, he might have to be, you know, a, a weekly start from now on, depending on where you're sitting, you know, injury-wise, roster-wise, bye weeks, things like that. Um, it's encouraging. We, we know how fast the Cardinals like to play, just the, the amount of offensive opportunities there are. Uh, like you said is his best game of the of the year so far seven targets um double digit fantasy points and back-to-back weeks which is great didn't find the end zone this week but looking over the next two weeks they play dallas and they play seattle and you know prior to the dak injury i was looking at these next two weeks thinking these are going to be some pretty high scoring affairs and saying yeah there's going to be a lot of chances for kirk to um to have opportunities there i think he's borderline must start depending on where you where you are at in your league um you know obviously isabella had that that Big game week three scored two touchdowns only on four targets, but he kind of has that that long speed explosion ability uh, on any given week. But I think Kirk is the wide receiver too. It's just a matter of how much opportunity will he get with Hopkins, you know, averaging almost double digit targets every week.
1: Uh, I'm kind of hoping that they just sunset Larry Fitzgerald. Every target to <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald just a wasted target.
2: Yeah, he tied his, yeah. Uh, his season high in targets today, which, again, is surprising. He hasn't done much, really, with any targets at all, um, like you said, but I agree with you. It would be nice for Kirk to really just have that solidified wide receiver two roll to himself every week.
0: There was a discussion on uh, um, of His Overtime last week, I think. Pat Fitzmorris had a question about whether Kirk would – I mean, whether he's been struggling this season because he's been having to play outside a lot while Fitzgerald has been playing in the slot. I guess Kirk uh, played a lot of the slot at Texas Tech. And is that where he went? No, Texas A&M. Am I right? Wait, uh, now Te- I forgot. Texas anyway. A&M. Yeah, right. Um, in any case, yeah. I'm wondering... I mean, obviously, if Fitzgerald were not getting so many targets, then I guess those slot targets would go to Kirk. Um I don't know how much of a of a of a difference that makes for you guys when you're evaluating wide receivers, but I mean, is it is there some concern that Kirk and Fitzgerald really have the same role and are not going to be able to coexist that well with Hopkins here?
2: I think so. I think they kind of cancel each other out with similar roles and Fitzgerald has just been doing it for so much longer and is just so much more probably consistent over the middle of the field in that area because he's lived there his entire career. Um, but yeah, I would, I would like to see Kirk play more inside. I don't know if that's going to be super realistic. Like Hassan said with, you know, Larry is getting those looks and not being super productive with them.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- I'm, the one thing you see from Kirk I guess is that they use him deep a bit more than they use Fitz deep. So, especially earlier in the season, I don't know what what like his depth of target was today, but um you saw them taking some shots downfield with him early in the season. So, I mean, you know, those are potentially high-value targets that you would like to see him keep getting, but obviously you can't be you can't really be a top fantasy wide receiver with only deep targets, right? So, yeah, it's frustrating for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that that like that really sort of speaks to your skill as a wide receiver, right? Like if you're able to play most of the snaps and across the formation, you're going to just be an elite wide out, right? Like it doesn't matter, right? Cuz like, hmm. you know, I mean, I mean like like think about everyone on dynasty twitter who called Justin Jefferson just a slot wide receiver, right? Like I mean, like that's just like the like the lack of value that like I think film analysis has is just like, you know, you're willing to shoehorn someone into a role. Like 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 right now, when you're looking at just what Fitzgerald has done like, over the last few weeks, it's just like, you know, Clingsbury jamming him the football just doesn't make any sense. There's no reason he should have these many targets, right? Um, if they want a deep threat, they drafted one in Andy Isabella, right? Like I d I I don't know what's going on over there, like um um, uh, like, like maybe Cliff Kingsbury needs to go back and re renew his air raid certification. I was, uh, yeah. I was looking at like the official air, Raids, air raid certified people from the school of Hal Mume and I, and I did not notice Cliff Kingsbury's name on the website. So, you know, maybe, maybe he should go pay the hundred bucks and get, and get air raid certified again. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, you might have to. And honestly, like I, when I was kind of looking at Kirk or thinking of him in his role over the off season, I, I was kind of not anticipating Larry to have the size of a role that he does now. And I really thought Kirk could be like the perfect wide receiver to compliment because I don't think Kirk, you know, has either the physical attributes or just the size to be, you know, like an elite one on a team. But, you know, I just figured with the, the pace of play, you know, the second year in the system, I mean, Kirk's played with, you know, multiple head coaches and quarterbacks already in his short career having the opportunity to just be a wide receiver two in the slot, I thought was going to be a perfect fit for him. And there was just going to be enough volume to go around in that offense. But until Larry goes away, they're going to kind of be, you know, in each other's way, so to speak, at least in the box score.
0: I want to change gears a little on this team. We saw Chase Edmonds get a touchdown and outscore Kenyon Drake. I think every single week this season, he's been the one getting the, Targets getting the receiving work. Um, I mean, I wonder who actually has the more valuable role here between Edmonds and Drake. And you know, on a weekly basis, I mean, I don't know how many teams have have both guys, but are you comfortable starting Edmonds most weeks?
2: For me, I think it just came down to, and this this probably isn't the best way to look at it, because you kind of get into this sunk cost fallacy of where you drafted players. But, I mean, wh- wherever you drafted Drake, you almost feel obligated to start him, because you probably drafted him at the 1-2 turn somewhere. Um, and so he's just going to probably keep finding his way into your lineup, maybe out of necessity, depending on, you know, did you start running back early or however you drafted your team? And Edmonds was much, much cheaper later on, so... Like I said, that probably shouldn't factor in now that we're five weeks into the year and we've seen how these guys play out, but probably that that early draft capital is making people say, well, I got to start the guy that's the starter, at least on paper, and the guy that I paid for.
0: Yeah. Uh, would you be making any offers to try and acquire Edmonds at this point, um, I guess, in redraft? Um,
2: yeah, I think so. I think it might be a little bit tough now because he's had back-to-back weeks of, um, scored touchdowns the last two weeks at 15 and 20 points in PPR the last two weeks. So it might be tough now. Um, but if he has a couple more down weeks, you're heading into a week eight bye. there might be an opportunity for it.
0: Yeah, right. I'm just thinking, like you said, people kind of anchor to that draft value and might still be viewing him as Um, you know Kenyon Drake's backup which isn't quite the way their roles have played out so that's kind of interesting. Even though sports had a break your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs which are shown to be 3.5 times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31. All right, now let's get into our game, fantasy rookie breakout or fakeout. Uh, Hassan, you want to uh, remind us of the rules of this game? How does this work?
1: Yeah, this one is is a fun one. We're just going to throw out some rookies, and we're going to ask Sam whether or not he thinks they're going to finish as a um, fantasy viable asset uh, you know, by the end of the season. So that means for wide receivers, it'll be wide receiver three or better, and uh, so top 36 wide out. And for running backs, that would be running back two or better, so that would be RB24 or better.
0: All right. Uh let's start off with Rams running back Cam Akers, who rushed nine times for 61 yards in the Week 5 win against Washington. <laughs> so
2: do, do, do I think Cam Akers will finish as a top 24 running back um, by the end of the season? I, I don't think he does. Uh, he's he's missed a couple of weeks, obviously, with injury and Daryl Henderson has been playing exceptionally well for his role, which I think has been great for him. It's been great for fantasy owners who either invested in him or, invested in him or held him after you know a little bit of a disappointing year last year. Um, but I still think this team is going to run through Jared Goff. It's going to run through the wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, and I think Akers will continue to kind of be the the 1B or just the 2 behind Henderson moving forward. And if he does start to overtake him by the end of the year, I still don't think that'll be enough to vault him into the top 24.
1: Chase Claypool caught seven of eleven targets for 110 yards and three touchdowns in the Steelers' Week Five win over the Eagles. He also added a rushing touchdown on three carries.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say breakout for this one just because I'm writing a piece on him for tomorrow morning for the Blitz, and you could say maybe some of his opportunity came today when Deontay Johnson left pretty early with a back injury, and you know Johnson had missed a little bit of time, or at least had missed quite a bit of practice time. I think Claypool is is a raw athlete, but they, the Steelers seem to have no problem, you know, just feeding him opportunities. Uh, I think he's already kind of leapt over James Washington on the depth chart. And while Deontay Johnson has kind of been the target hog the last couple of weeks, it seemed like all those targets then just funneled to Claypool. And will that change moving forward? I'm not sure, but I don't think you can necessarily just ignore what, what Claypool Claypool was able to do through the air and on the ground, surprisingly. Um, it's they got plenty of wide receiver, you know, potential there between Juju and Deontay and Washington and Claypool, but yeah, Claypool kind of has like that DK Metcalf way about him on the field, just bullying people downfield. So yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll buy that.
0: Yeah, Claypool is really interesting. I guess not only because, well, because of this performance, but also this isn't like a one-off thing. Like in past weeks, he's been doing, you know, not with this amount of opportunity, but. All he does is score long touchdowns. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Definitely uh definitely I'm buying, but yeah. Antonio Gibson rushed eleven times for 27 yards in Washington's week five loss to the Rams adding five receptions for twenty four yards.
2: Um this one this one I'll buy. I'll buy this as a breakup that he finishes within the top 24 by the end of the year, simply because I think he's the most talented back in that backfield by far. And you can talk about the, the lack of college production or college usage, however many total touches he had wasn't a lot. That was a big a big topic of discussion. But he's seen his role increase You know, every week. He scored in three straight weeks, weeks two, three, and four. He scored one on the ground. Seeing some nice involvement in the passing game. And this offense doesn't really have much right now besides Terry McLaurin and the quarterback carousel that we're seeing now. I mean, they only really have two playmakers, and that's Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin. And anybody else beyond that is kind of just an ancillary piece that you probably don't own in any fantasy league anywhere anyways. Um, So I just think even just the volume enough, like we talked about before with Miles Sanders, it's going to be there.
1: Henry Ruggs got two of three targets for 118 yards and a touchdown in the Raiders' week five win over the Chiefs.
2: Yeah, I'm going to sell this one as a fake out. He's another guy I'm writing about for tomorrow. It's been fun to focus on a lot of the rookie wide receivers because there's been so many that have at least had some splash games early in the season. Again, missed a couple of weeks. I just don't think he's going to see the necessary target volume to jump into the top 36. He's going to be kind of just that field stretcher. We can see that he can score in you know, pretty much any play, but there are just so many other options there, both in the backfield from a pass catching perspective and in the wide receiver tight end core that Carr is just going to keep spreading it around. And Ruggs is probably going to be more beneficial on the field from a football perspective to open things up. Um, and he'll get his and he'll play well, but unless he really starts seeing a jump in target share, I think that's going to cap him from being in the, in that top 36.
0: James Robinson had 13 carries for 48 yards and caught five of seven targets for 22 yards week five against Houston.
2: Yeah, definitely buying, um, down week for him, which was a bummer, but he, he seems like the real deal and there's nobody else in that backfield that's getting, um, touches Chris Thompson's getting a little bit, but in terms of the volume, like we keep going back to running backs, that get volume, it's going to be there. This is the first game this year that he didn't score double digit fantasy points. Um, didn't find the he hasn't found the end zone in back to back weeks, but again he's getting the volume both on the ground and through the air, and he's a top ten running back already, and I don't see that changing.
1: Joe Barrow completed nineteen of thirty passes for one hundred and eighty three yards, zero touchdowns, and an interception in the Bengals' twenty seven three Week Five loss to the Ravens. He also lost a fumble.
2: So my having to buy as a top twelve, what were the parameters for quarterbacks?
1: Uh, they would be top twelve just because uh, we we use a single QB here.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Um, gonna sell. He's kind of a, he's on the outside looking in uh, of the quarterback window right now, and s- selling might be a little bit unfair. The thing working in his favor is the volume. The Bengals have been one of the most pass heavy teams in the league. He hasn't had a single game where he's passed less than thirty times. I do think that starts to balance out a little bit more. I think they will. Get Mixon a little bit more involved. He has been a little bit more the last couple of weeks. Finally, especially last week when he really popped. Um, and Burrow's going to be kind of on that fringe of either being a streamer or a back end QB one, probably most weeks. But I'll I'll take the chance and say that he does not finish inside the top twelve this season. But it's going to be close. And if he finishes, you know, as an eleven or twelve, that wouldn't surprise me.
0: JK Dobbins rushed one time for 34 yards in the Ravens week five win over the Bengals adding three receptions for 21 additional yards.
2: Yeah, gonna sell this one too as a fake out um, and, and until the Ravens really commit to him both you know either on the ground or through the air it's going to be tough. He's gonna have to be either hyper efficient at scoring touchdowns with his opportunities like Mark Ingram was last year but they've been giving Gus Edwards quite a bit of run. They're still running Ingram Ingram close to the goal line. Nice to see the three targets today, but he's had three games this year with either one or two rushing attempts, and that's been it. So that's, he's going to need a lot more than that to break into the top 24.
1: Brandon Ayuk got three of six targets for 44 yards And the 49ers' week five loss to the Dolphins gonna
2: sell this one too um i think Ayuk's a perfect fit for that scheme Uh, his his draft position um kind of surprised some people i think a little bit but he's almost like a debo samuel clone in his yards after the catch ability and just how he fits into that offense um but his big game the last couple of weeks came without debo came without george kittle came without tevin coleman came without raheem mostert i mean so he's been capitalizing on that opportunity which has been great but as the team gets a little bit more healthy especially in in the running back room and getting Samuel a little bit more up to speed I just don't think the volume is going to be there because they're still a pretty run centric team so he'll have to be super efficient again in in the scoring department to put himself into that top 36
0: in my opinion Clyde Edwards Hilaire rushed 10 times for 40 yards in the Chiefs week five loss to the Raiders
2: uh, yeah, I'll buy that he finishes in the top 24. Uh, I think he'll still have some up and down games. The The Chiefs as a whole just didn't look good today. Uh, he still averaged four yards a carry, saw eight targets, which was great. Um, didn't do much with them with only three receptions for 40 yards, but I think the offense is just going to be too good the rest of the year. I, I don't really see this bad game of the Chiefs being a sign of things to come. Um, they got a couple you know, tougher defensive matchups on the road at Buffalo and at Denver the next two weeks, but I think this the scoring opportunities and just his overall involvement, he's seen double-digit carries in every game this year. Um, he's seen at least six targets in three of five games this year. The opportunity's there.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're not reading too much into this game. I mean, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> it's funny. The Chiefs, like, shut down the Ravens on Monday night and then give up 40 points to the Raiders. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Anything can happen in the NFL, but this uh, this doesn't worry you for uh, any pieces of the offense going forward.
2: Not really, because they still scored thirty two points. Um, I mean, if they had mm. just gotten totally shut down, that would I think that would have told me something else. But you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire didn't give up forty points to the Raiders, so I mean, they they still <laughs> hung thirty two points in a loss, which not many teams can can do unless you know you're Dallas or you know somebody like that. But off day for the defense didn't look great. I I do think they'll turn it around, but yeah, not too worried after one game. If it becomes a trend then for sure. But for now, not really.
0: All right, moving on to news item number three. And speaking of Dallas, Dak Prescott was carted off the field with a right ankle injury in the third quarter. Um, He will undergo ankle surgery tonight. So obviously a huge loss for Dallas. And we hope that, uh, Dak can, uh, you know, make a full recovery and return relatively quickly. Uh, he was actually the QB one heading into this week, according to the RotoViz Weekly Stat Explorer. So, how do you think uh, this offense will function without him? And do you think Andy Dalton can can give like a fraction of what Dak was giving them?
2: I think i think dalton's an above average quarterback i really do uh i I think his time in cincinnati probably came to an end at at about the right time but i don't think it was necessarily always on him just kind of looking back at some of his career stats he's always really been kind of a middling qb2 with upside outside of that one magical year where he was the qb4 through 33 touchdowns rushed for a couple but he's a competent NFL quarterback. I really do believe that. And I think he has a, a very good offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. I think he's got, you know, incredible weapons around him. They may lean on the ground game even more to try to take some of the pressure off of Dalton, but it's going to be tough because a lot of that won't matter if the defense can't step up and really start getting off the field and, you know, at least giving the, the offense more opportunities and not putting them in situations where they have to score 30 or 40 points every week to win. Um, and honestly, the state of the NFC East right now, Dallas is still in it. I mean, they really are. They won today, which was great for them. Um, in terms of fantasy moving forward, definitely a hit to the, to the offensive weapons there. It's going to be interesting, I think, to see kind of where Dalton zeroes in on, um, as, as his go-to targets, if he really leans on Murray Cooper, if he kind of leans on the backfield a little bit more, I think, I think his first game back, just his usage is going to be very telling as to where, where he's looking to go and, um what he can do here in the in the next week of practice
1: yeah i'm actually kind of bummed uh because i mean with the under center like this offense really had kind of clicked it really hit like i don't know a new high a, i'm also a huge Dak fan and just a real shame that he got hurt uh you know so we're we're hoping that he has a speedy recovery um Man, so see, it's like the guy who we didn't talk about in the previous section was 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 Ceedee Lamb, who really has emerged as like just incredible, right? Like he's what a what a G. Um, my question is, where are you guys slotting in? Like, if you guys had a like like where would you put Lamb in like in Dynasty ranks today?
2: I'll let Blair answer that one first.
0: <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'd probably need to update my dynasty rankings. Come to think of it, I mean, gosh, I probably would have Lamb as. I might have him in the top twelve wide receivers. Does That make sense. Yeah,
2: I, uh, I was I, gonna I was gonna hedge and say top eighteen, but I, I've seen him in the top twelve of of many people's dynasty
1: rankings right now already. Yeah, yeah. I was actually gonna ask why not like top top eight, top six because like it feels like
0: yeah, I'm trying to think who who i would probably have above him um like would you have him above i don't know after the season he's having i don't think i would put him above calvin ridley um you know more maybe you drop him down a little bit just because he hasn't he hasn't been playing up to expectation i still think i would have more above lamb but maybe that's close i don't know
1: no, nah, that's close. Uh, the the better question is where would you rank A.J. Brown and where would you rank Lamb? That is a yeah, great question. Yeah, I mean, it's so,
0: it's so hard to tell since we haven't seen much Brown this season. Uh, I mean, yeah, based on the rookie season that Brown put up, you, I think, would still have to have him in consideration around, you know, definitely within the top 12 around – kind of those guys Ridley and more. maybe not quite that high but
2: for what it's worth yeah, for sake that's of a conversation i i pulled up just the current rotoverse dynasty composite rankings and mm-hmm. Lamb is slotted in at wide receiver 21 right now
0: oh my gosh my my rankings must have must be too old to be counted in there i hope
1: yeah that's true that's true that's kind of low right <laughs> like you 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 you'd have him at least wide receiver 10
2: Yeah, I would think so. And I'm just kind of perusing the ranks here. It doesn't say last updated, I don't think. Um, But yeah, it was was more just curious to see.
0: Yeah. The only, I know that if any rankings that are more than two weeks old, oh, it's only Dave's rankings that are in here, so everyone needs to update. If any rankings that are older than two weeks old get thrown out. um, Or not really thrown out, but they don't show on the site. Yep. Okay, so you here's need to update one. Update your CD Lamb ranking.
1: <laughs> so here's the question: DK Metcalf or CD Lamb?
0: Metcalf. Ooh. Ooh, I'd have Lamb. I think I'd have Lamb. I'd have Lamb above okay.
1: Metcalf. All right.
0: That's close, though.
1: It is. It's close, right? I, I enjoy these thought experiments, right? Where we're throwing out these names. um For sure. And that's gut reaction. I mean, if
2: I took yeah, a closer look, yeah. maybe, but maybe I'm still just too hurt by Dak.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a real bummer, man. It was just sad. I I, I was really upset for the guy. Um especially with such Liam a like above, guy.
0: Would you have lamb above Amari Cooper?
1: I think so. In Dynasty, yeah. yeah I think yeah. I think you'd have I to. I think so. And that, that yeah. feels
2: that feels weird to say too.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I think you have to. I mean, so like, and like the other question is, what are you doing with Michael Gallup, right? Like, how far down is he sliding?
2: I'm so sad because I'm a, such yeah. a big Michael Gallup fan.
1: I yeah, love him but, so much. But it's just such a weird thing, right? Like, when, like, when, uh, uh, this is kind of goes back to A.J. Brown in Tennessee, where like, we're like, you know, it's not like, it's not like Corey Davis is like terrible he's just not A.J. Brown, right? It's the same with right. like Michael Gallup. It's not, like, it's not like Michael Gallup's bad. He's just not Ceedee Lamb. Like, what do you do? What do you do when you're facing, like, uh, when, like, you know, you just are competing with these, like, some of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen in a while. And, like, you know, it's difficult. I mean, like, think about Adam Thielen having to face off. Like, Josh, like Jeff, Jeff, Justin Jefferson has, like, completely transformed that passing offense, right? Like, it's ridiculous.
0: Well, and the fact that their defense can't stop anyone, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You kind of wonder about Gallup whether whether he would be able to have the same kind of season he had last year if he didn't have an Amari Cooper on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, definitely. I mean, going into this season, I think I was right there with you, Sam. It was like gallop could have a could have a better 2020 than cooper um just based on what they did in 2019 and their per game paces were so
2: close from a target you know in just usage perspective last year yeah
0: yeah yeah it's tricky i mean i don't know there was always a concern that with lamb coming in there weren't gonna be enough targets to go around and it really looks like lamb has just overtaken that wide receiver two role for sure and i don't know maybe a matter of time before before cooper is the wide receiver two yeah and
2: i'm normally not one to cherry pick stats um because i think you just have to take a look at everything but it, w- would we be looking at Gallup this year or would we have been looking at Gallup this year any differently without his week 17 last year where he scored 32 fantasy points and scored three touchdowns which were half of his season total
0: hmm. yeah that's a good question
1: yeah, I, I've also been, I've been fairly bearish on Gallup, if only because, um, he had all the, all the chances in the world to kind of like, unfortunately do this. And like, so, so being saying that I'm very bearish on him, that's kind of like a misnomer because I'm like, uh, by the end of it, I was like, really like by end of this draft season, I was buying in, but when it was just Gallup without Amari, he wasn't particularly good. He was fairly inefficient, very Corey Davis, Davis-esque actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Uh, but, uh, you know, when, when Amari came around, he he really kind of like exploded, right? Like, and, um, now you're looking at, gosh, um, I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's just a shame. And like, realistically, this goes back to Dak being out, right? Like, I mean, the guy was just the perfect driver you wanted. I feel so bad that he, we're not going to see him anymore this season.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, Dalton, like you said, Sam, has put up a few big seasons and he's had a few big games where he's been given some volume. Um, he had a, a really good week 16 last year, as I recall, because he was on one of my one of my title-winning <laughs> teams and I had to start him. You won and, a title uh, with Dalton
2: last
1: year?
0: Yeah, that's right. We're in a league. Hassan and I are both in this League with a lot of uh, former Rotovis writers and some current ones. And uh, I think Devin McIntyre was the other guy, was the runner up, and he was playing Lamar Jackson and I had oh, Dalton <laughs> and ended up winning, so that was nice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and who's beating who today? That's no, right. I don't know.
0: Are we oh it was a matchup, a rematch today? You must be no, kicking my butt. I'm so no, bad in that league this year.
1: You versus me.
0: Oh, okay. yeah, that's
1: right, folks.
0: Ah, you said something that was the only league you're winning. I didn't even realize you were. It <laughs> yeah. was our matchup. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> yeah, right. I'm
1: getting completely annihilated, like everywhere else. Oh <laughs> my God! All that, like, all that matters is, um, I don't even know if this matters. Like, like in all honesty, I was, I was kind of. Uh, I'm actually doing kind of okay in this league, I believe. But no one cares about my fantasy teams. But you know what they do care about. Deshaun Watson, who completed 25 of 35 passes for 359 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he also threw two picks in the Texans' week five win over Jacksonville. This was Watson's second straight week where he topped 300 yards passing. Um, Sam, now that Watson is officially liberated from Bill O'Brien, like how do you think this offense improves going forward?
2: I would be really interested to know, like exactly what conversations went on in the locker room. Um, you know, there was some word that came out with J.J. Watt, you know, being involved and things like that. But it, I try not to speculate too much about, you know, what goes on in the locker room from a team culture perspective. Just because we look at it so kind of biasly from the fantasy lens, and we we project so much. But I, I got to think that it's better. I mean, I really do. I can't imagine there's any world in which. Deshaun Watson is okay with how the, uh, the DeAndre Hopkins situation was handled and you know what he was left with from a receiver perspective. So I, I can't imagine that left him super happy, even understanding you know the business nature of the NFL. And guys know that, but just how poorly mismanaged that was, I, I think it's great. I think Deshaun Watson is just, just a gamer. He's a baller. That's just what he does. Even back to his time in college, he just finds ways to win, or at least finds ways to produce for fantasy. Even if that comes in garbage time, that's fine. But I think a lot of Deshaun Watson's success or potential success for the rest of this season is unfortunately probably hinged on the hamstrings of Will Fuller whether we like it or not so I mean if, if Fuller can stay healthy we, we all know Fuller's upside you can you know kind of piecemeal together you know his last 16 healthy games you know heading into this season and it puts him right up there with you know a, a lot of successful fantasy production of wide receivers in the league uh, it was nice to see Brandon Cooks bounce back today but I don't know, I'm just so hesitant because I, I I'm in one dynasty league, ten team dynasty league, and it's a home league. So whenever, you know, people talk about home leagues, there's always kind of that caveat of, you know, what's what's the quality of your opponent, so to speak. But and it's a one quarterback dynasty league where I own both Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. So I'm always kind of bouncing back and forth which guy to start. And for a while it's been like, okay, I'm just I'm starting Lamar Jackson every week just because it's Lamar Jackson. But the last couple of weeks I really should have been starting Deshaun Watson and now I'm kind of questioning that moving forward
0: yeah that's tricky i mean uh yeah like you said he gets it done even with these you know will fuller uh sometimes hurt and brandon cooks who we all probably think is washed but um you know i don't know are you buying this brandon cooks performance do you think he can be like a real asset for the team going forward now i mean i think
2: so if you say it's healthy because you know all brandon cooks has done is produce thousand yard seasons wherever he's gone. Um minus hmm. minus last season's kind of shortened season with concussions. And he still only missed two games. So I think that was a little bit of, of an unfair. And his usage his usage with the Rams last year was just kind of confusing as well. But you know, four straight thousand yard seasons with three different teams, still only twenty seven years old. And we 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 kind of saw his ceiling again today. And we've unfortunately seen his floor this year as well. But with him really being the wide receiver two to Will Fuller, or maybe even the one on a given week, I don't know who else Watson's going to throw to. Um, he does kind of uniquely involve his tight ends uh, occasionally. We saw that today with Fells having a long touchdown. But I just I'm not going to trust the consistency. I don't think. I don't think I could ever bring myself to start Brandon Cooks. Um, I honestly I'd rather start Will Fuller just because of of his longevity there in Houston with Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, I mean Fuller did pretty well today too. I mean he didn't go off like uh, like Cooks did. Um, he scored. Uh, I've got to pull out the box score here. There are a bunch of uh, games that just didn't care about. There we go. He had he had, he had like eight targets. He caught four of those fifty-eight yards in a score. I mean like Cooks really lit it up, right? Like he's. now the issue with like Cooks, Cooks lighting it up is that we've seen this before, and he we've just seen long stretches of him doing nothing. Right. Like this is, this is a very fair victory. Like this is, a, I mean, like we saw him do this in like week two and then, you know, he's going to, he's going to disappear again for a little bit. I mean, last week he was just terrible, like God awful against the Vikings as hapless secondary or whatever they call the secondary. Right. So it's just very tough to tough to, to do there.
2: And believe it or not, we've been getting like more consistency, which is something I never thought I'd use with Will Fuller. I mean, out of him, um, you know at least five targets, uh, at least five targets and four receptions in three straight games. He scored three weeks in a row, so that's encouraging. Um, and they have a, a decent stretch of games coming up, but yeah, for, for Watson, honestly, he's kind of even shown that it doesn't matter who's on the field, like, he'll, he'll, he'll put up points the last 10 minutes of the game and make you at least mildly happy. I would like to see a little bit more from him out of the rushing. Uh, it's kind of been a nice floor that he's been able to provide fantasy owners, and he hasn't topped. 27 rushing yards in a game yet this season which i would like to see a little bit more out of but um yeah i don't know we'll see
0: all right that'll do it for this edition of the fantasy football report please remember to rate and review the road of his radio channel on apple Podcasts. special thanks to our guest sam wallace Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HR5010 I'm Blair Andrews at Am I the Real Blair thanks for listening